Boys, are you ready? Bedtime Story Adventure 2018 Chapter 21 The Green Hand's gang waited eagerly outside the gallery for James to come back out. Get ready, Jenny said. Get the torches handy, putty and tape, wire cutters, gloves and tools in your bags. Everyone checked their pockets and bags to make sure that all the items were present and correct. Wilf, Laurie and Joanne had head torches which they put on. Jenny divided the children into groups and gave each group a dog whistle. She really hoped that they wouldn't come across any rats at all. The gallery door opened and James came out. I found the entrance, he said excitedly. Let's go. Everyone followed James back inside, leaving Eleanor and Hugo waiting outside. If Eleanor's dad came back early, it was Hugo's job to come in and warn them. James went down into the tunnel first, climbing carefully on the iron rungs, checking each one as he went. It wouldn't do to snap a rung and fall into the unknown. It was Fred's turn to go next, and he waited until he heard an all-clear from James before descending. There was a hush among the children. Then each child followed quickly until Jenny, who was last, closed the toilet door behind her. She sat on the edge of the hole next to the iron ladder. She could see lights from the torches below. Then she put her toes on the lowest foothold she could reach, leaned over and held the top rung, and swung herself round and climbed down. It was not as deep as she'd thought, and she soon joined the rest of the gang in a large dry tunnel made of red bricks. There was a distinct smell in the tunnel too, but it wasn't bad, more like the smell of fresh washing. There was plenty of room to stand, although an adult would not have been able to stand up straight without hitting their heads. She glanced up and down the tunnel. It was flat and straight and seemed to stretch forever in either direction. I think it's this way, James said, pointing away from Jenny. In relation to the gallery, the tunnel runs parallel with the seafront. We need to go toward the pier. He set off. Stick together, Jenny said. No exploring. I don't want anyone getting lost. We might never find you. Hang on. Frank said. He was rummaging around in his bag and pulled out a small item, a thin plastic straw. I've got loads of these left over from bonfire night. He bent the straw and it cracked and started to glow. Then he attached it to the bottom rung of the ladder that went up to the gallery. Great work, Jenny said. As before, she went last, making sure that everyone was accounted for. Every so often, Frank pulled out another glow stick bent it into a ring and put it on the side of the tunnel. It was not far before they came to a junction. A slightly smaller tunnel ran across theirs, giving them three choices. Straight ahead, left or right. James waited for everyone to catch up. When Jenny arrived, he'd already made a choice. I think we've walked far enough to be just about level with the centre of the pier. So if we go right, we'll be heading out toward the sea which is where the cormorants heard a lot of rat noise. Frank left another glow stick at the junction, and they turned right. After a few steps, Jenny noticed that the tunnel sloped downward slightly. They were getting deeper. The red bricks were replaced with dark green ones that were smooth to the touch, almost shiny. Frank kept leaving the glow sticks to mark the way. Jenny wondered how deep they were, They had gone far enough that she was sure they were under the sea now, or at least under the stones. 
Then, the shiny green bricks gave way to a different material. Old metal. Great sheets of it bent round and bolted together. Rough and rusted dark brown and orange, flaking in places. This must be to do with the old pier. Up ahead she could see that everyone had stopped again. This time it wasn't a junction, it was a room of sorts. Jenny stepped out of the tunnel and surveyed the new surroundings. The room was cylindrical and all the walls curved away on both sides. The children were standing together on a raised platform. In front of them was a huge mass of pipes and old machinery of some kind. It didn't look like it had been used in a long time. The raised platform extended around the machinery. From the platform, ladders ascended and descended, and tunnels led off. Be careful, James said quietly. Let's do a circuit and see if there's an obvious passage or tunnel to take. The children walked carefully along the curved platform, peering cautiously into every connecting tunnel. Jenny wondered if there were any rats around. Get your whistles ready, she said, just in case. After walking all the way around, they'd identified four different tunnels that could lead them to the cable. Right, James said, when they were back at the tunnel they'd come in through. We don't have all that much time. We need to split up, check the tunnels, then report back. Only go down the tunnels for one minute, then come straight back. They split into four groups. James went with Roscoe. Wilf and Laurie went with Noah. Fred and Elsie went with Frank and Jenny went with Joanne and Millie. Each group had a dog whistle, and Frank gave them all some glow sticks. Whatever you do, Jenny said, don't split from your tunnel. If it forks, come straight back to report. The three girls took the first tunnel on the left of the way in. It was narrow and cramped. After only a few metres, it became too narrow to negotiate and ended in a mass of pipes. Could one of those pipes have the cable in? Millie asked. I don't think so, Jenny said. They're too small, but I don't know. Let's go back and tell the others. The girls backed up and were soon in the main chamber. Jenny could see James coming out of a tunnel on the far side of the way in. She started to walk over to him when Wilf came out of a tunnel further round. Found it, he said. There's a chamber with a lot of stuff in it, including a big weird cable. And we found you, a ratty voice said. Jenny turned, and coming out of the tunnel between her and James was a group of very large, very angry-looking rats. Millie gave a tiny whimper, and Jenny felt the smaller girl squeeze close behind her. After a few seconds, there were six heavily armed rats on the platform between her and James. Each rat was holding a sword, or pike, or hammer. And all of them looked mean. "'I don't know what you're doing here,' the lead rat said. But you're our prisoners now. Lord Ratzenberg will enjoy dealing with you. Jenny looked across at James and saw him put his hand into his pocket. Next to him, Fred was doing the same. She looked back and Wilf and Laurie were already holding their whistles to their lips. Jenny gripped hers. She hoped Wilf was right. Now, she shouted, and all five children blew hard on the whistles. No sound came out. Well. Not that the children could hear, but the effect on the rats was incredible. They dropped their weapons, clapped their hands over their ears, and hopped, writhed, bent over, and howled. Wilfred ran past Jenny toward the rats, his cheeks puffed out, blowing as hard as he could. 
The rats stumbled away from him, and James ran from the other side. As quickly as they had appeared, the rats turned and fled. Well done, Wilf, Jenny said. Let's cut the cable and get out of here. I'll stay here with Wilf in case they come back, James said. Everyone else, go with Jenny. They hurried to the tunnel where Laurie was standing, and he ducked back down it. Jenny had to bend over to fit, but it soon ended in a little metal door. Like the door in a submarine, with a little round porthole to look through in the middle. Laurie opened the door and it swung inward to reveal another, smaller chamber. This one had no machinery, but in the middle of the floor was a strange sight. From an open doorway at the opposite end of the room, a big old metal pipe, about a foot in diameter, snaked in. Not far from where Jenny was standing, the pipe had been cut open and a fat cable came out. The cable was half as wide as the pipe it came out of, and was wrapped in some kind of green, black, yellow and pink material. The fat cable immediately split into about a hundred other cables that were also wrapped in black, green, yellow and pink material and spread out across the floor, disappearing into holes and pipes in the walls. Gloves on, everybody, Jenny said, pulling on a pair of pink marigolds she'd taken from underneath her kitchen sink. We need to cut the smaller cables and cover the big cable end with putty and tape, she said. Make sure that no bare metal goes anywhere near anyone's skin. Rubber gloves only. Don't touch the big cable, just the little ones. The children got to work, and Jenny immediately noticed that the material that was covering the big cable and the smaller ones was the same as the material on her hands. The rats had insulated the cable with rubber gloves and bike tyres all held together with electrical tape. She wondered why they bothered wrapping the big cable, then realised. It came into the room via an old Victorian pipe. A metal pipe. If they hadn't covered the cable, then when it touched the sides of the pipe, it would have electrified it, and the water around it. They needed to keep the electrical power in the cable, so it would overload the substations. The gang worked hard and carefully, cutting, taping, puttying every smaller cable. Finally, the main cable was completely disconnected. Being even more careful, the children started insulating the end of the big cable. All the attention was on the cutting and insulating. No one was watching the door from where the pipe containing the big cable came. Then Jenny heard something that sent a shiver down her spine. A small metallic ring like the sound a raindrop makes in an old bucket. Then another, and another, closer together, until it was the sound of pouring water. She looked around and saw a stream of water from the ceiling, making a big puddle on the floor. Water was pouring into the chamber, a chamber made of metal with a cable that was connected to a wind farm that generated enough electricity for half the county, and the cable still had an end that was half bare. "'Out!' she shouted. "'Everyone out! Get James, quick!' The children weren't sure what was happening. Jenny quickly picked up the big cable to keep it from getting wet. "'Get out!' she screamed, yanking the cable up to her chest. The children went, still confused, out through the little door. And that was when she saw it. A rat moved out from near the door. It didn't have any weapons. It was wearing a tatty old lab coat with a pen tucked behind its ear. You can't stop his lordship's plan, the rat said. Ruin my cable, and I'll still get it connected. 
Seawater is as good a conductor as I need. Soon this room will be flooded and the electricity will make its own way. The rat swung the little door shut and span a round handle until it stopped. Then it took out a little spanner and turned a bolt behind the handle. A moment later, the round handle clattered to the floor, then splashed into the growing puddle. That'll teach you to meddle with my work, the rat said. Then it scurried up the wall and disappeared into a small pipe near the ceiling. And then Jenny was all alone, clutching a highly charged cable to her chest in a metal chamber that was filling with water, deep under the West Pier.